Welcome to episode 357 of the Overlook Hour. I am your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting the next state from me. I will explain further. He will explain who he is. It's Russell John, the Fisherman. What up? I am uh, born in the Bay Area. I am a uh, nerd, unapologetic. I, I do a podcast with Clark, my friend, who's in another state because they're quarantining him because he's got COVID-19 again. This is confirmed the only time I've had COVID-19. Thank you very much. Really? Yeah. No, that's bull. You had to have had it before. But I didn't. I had. I wasn't tested. Oh, okay. That makes so, sense. Because I definitely injected you with it like a year ago. Yeah, but I wasn't. I, I didn't have the symptoms I'm having now. And I didn't go through this whole thing. Dude, there's um, only one symptom that matters. Losing the taste and the smell. <laughs> and when that happened to me... I was ready to give up. <laughs> was, you lo- you lost up. your taste and smell? Yeah. Me and Oksana I, did. I did. I, still I was like, uh, I, what's the point of eating now? Because <laughs> clearly on, it's not nutrition. Knock on wood. I'm still, I'm still good. You're fine. I never lost that. But it's like straight up the flu. It would have ruined those kookaburra wings for you. Hey, man. Don't you take that away from me. <laughs> also joining us is Randy Michael Stat from Atlanta, Georgia. Yes, sir. What's up? Randy, how's everything? Uh, it's good. Went and uh, got myself a haircut this morning professionally, which I think we mentioned on the show last week because I was wearing a beanie in the middle of summer in Atlanta. Now, Randy, when was the last time you got a professional haircut? Whenever I went to LA for a wedding, that was the last time I had my hair trimmed. So did you did you find a new place out there? No, I go to the same place. Um, oh, but okay. So by you- my old apartment. What kind of what kind of situation is it? We got a is it a mom and pop shop? Is it a franchise? It's uh I think I don't, it's not a franchise. It's uh you know it's a one a one and done, but it's uh it's kind of broy looking from the outside, yeah. and they have a flag inside that says Saturdays are for the boys. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah. Oh, but boy. the uh, the dude that cuts my hair, it, he, he's a chill dude. He's a uh, we talked about comedy stuff and podcasts and told him I was going to go see Neil Brennan and he, he said he was thinking about going. So, Oh, good guy. The, hey, okay. So if you're going to, I, I don't um, get a lot of haircuts and growing up when I did, uh, we had like a family friend that we went to. So whenever I went to get it cut, it was always Leonard who cut my hair until his daughter took over. But I, I'm wondering when, if you walk in to a place to get your haircut, are you just rolling the dice? Like what? Do you get to pick who's going to cut your hair? Or? Uh, you can. So actually, I didn't really even care to go back to the same person. Um, so last time I went, I got this guy. His name's TJ. Uh, and um, Max. Usually, you know, I'm not really that picky. So as long as like the hair is cut, like it's fine with me. So I just booked another appointment today and they just happened to book me with the same guy. So what? You just you just walk in with a picture of Richard Spencer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what now are you a talker when you're in the chair i always felt incredible pressure to talk and i wouldn't so i'd have a panic attack while i'm getting yeah, my hair I try to i mean you oh. know, i'm not i'm not good at it but i try to oh i don't give a, i don't give a shit <laughs> are you on your phone <laughs> do people I, do that sometimes yeah i i, I mean look no here's a, i'm not rude about it but i just kind of like set the table early of like don't talk I to don't, me. I don't care about your life. <laughs> Man, that's kind of a bummer. 
I, I don't know if I was cutting hair, I'd feel pressured at God talk about a terrible job. Like that's a job where if you fuck up, it's your fault and you can't undo it no matter what. Oh, you can always, I mean, there's always a hard reset. Oh, uh, what bald? Yeah. <laughs> that's not, that's, that's not good I bald. Cause I cut my hair and I messed it up and I just said, I did the, I did the Bezos reset. Whatever. <laughs> Yeah, he came, out, he came out overly tanned and overly muscled, too. So where are you there in those departments? Yeah, there you go. Oh, give me time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. You'll be camera ready in a couple months. And uh, bringing up the rear with her endless enthusiasm, and I'm sure she's got plenty to say, is Oksana Valeria Devosachi. Hi. I'm not a host. I don't have to talk a lot. And there we go. <laughs> Oksana, how's everything? Fine. Um, one of my family members also tested positive, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, the club is growing, I guess. Well, here's a warning for everybody listening, and especially uh, to Clark and Randy, who are both mad at me because it took so long to get going this episode. <laughs> I, uh, I, knew, I knew our good friend and my co-host was a little under the weather. And I looked into my crystal ball and I thought you might have problems speaking. So I have a clip heavy episode for y'all. I got a couple of songs to share. Dude, it's going to be great. One of them is a PSA about COVID. We might be able to learn something from it. It's fantastic. We also got two TBR reports today. We got uh, the what the uh, grand winner of the poll battle. I don't know what the <laughs> hell to call. What is what's the name of your segment? The PR, the press battle. Uh, did we come up with a name? I don't know. Come on. You're supposed to do this kind of oh, shit. It was no. Burying the lead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here, here's, here's the thing. I, you know, we are <clears throat> literally a few weeks away from hitting our sixth year anniversary of doing this show. We've done over 350 of these shows. We're knocking on six years of doing this. I think that we have gained, uh, we've gotten so much better. And I think that we've gained experience in life doing this. We, not to mention uh, the infinite number of you know relationships that we have forged through this show, uh, the film festival, all the good stuff that's come out of this show. Uh, I you know I will always, whenever this show ends for whatever reason, I will always look back on this as one of the bright times of my life. Truly, having said that, <laughs> somehow. In this six-year journey, Russell has turned into a producer of a morning zoo show in Kalamazoo, Michigan. <laughs> I don't understand that, like this mid-market morning zoo bullshit that you are constantly bringing to the table. I just I want to flavor it up. You know, a lot of these podcasts are stale, opinionated, uh, typically like cisgender white males, and I'm just fucking sick of it. I'm fucking radical now, and I'm uh, bringing a little bit of color and life. Like I said, we're going to Singapore. We have underage kids uh, weighing in. Actually, I uh, <laughs> I, I really want to stress that I, I was kind of joking, but not really, when uh, we spoke to Tony. And I was saying that his show, The Blob Show, is a great uh, counterpart to The Overlook Hour. And I'm going to double down on that. I uh, pulled a clip as I, I checked out their It episode. Clark, it's fantastic. I, have you listened to the Blob Show at all? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's a really easy like buy-in. They're they're so short, but in the middle of the the it episode, 
Charlie, Tony's daughter, goes on a little tangent about God. <laughs> it is like the cutest. And she's being like, like, she's really exploring the theme of like human death and what it means. I believe she refers to uh, human beings as a craft project for God. So when, when we die, we're not really dead because a craft project can't die. And I'm like, this girl is a genius. Um, so I, I pulled a little, actually, we could run through that now before we get officially started. Or should I hold off on clips? Is it too early for clips? No, clip it up. <laughs> clip it and kill it. Clip it and kill it. Okay. <laughs> now, I think uh, in my clip haze, because I was pulling too many clips, um, I, I forgot to EQ one of them. So I may have even created more work for Randy, which I, he's already fuming at me. Randy, I, I just want to tell you, I love you to death. You own a house and we live in the Bay Area. You already have all the hand over us, okay? I don't know what that means. <laughs> you don't remember the hand? That's Seinfeld. He's got all the hand. No, oh. no. Inside is the finger. It's not okay. Um, <laughs> so again, before we move away from Blob, check out that episode. Tony was great and he listens to the show. You could tell. Yeah, because Tony's a, he gets it. <sighs> He's got some free time, apparently, too. Um, but as a last attempt to sell you on the Blob Show, I pulled my favorite clip, which is uh, Charlie running through the scene where Georgie is putting his, uh, his paper boat in the water. Now, um, I'm going to go ahead and turn you over. This one's a little long. I think it's like a minute in radio time that f might feel like an eternity. Little boat. Actually, you know That's what? Hip-hop reference. I'm lying. Stall for me for a minute. Okay, now I'm back. Great. Sorry. Here we go. <laughs> Thanks. I missed you too, dude. Here we go. Here's Charlie. Georgie went outside and he was putting his boat out there in the, in the rain by itself. And then he found a little tunnel that fell down there. And then the clown showed up, but he didn't get scared. And he said, who are you? And so they meeting each other, and they, and then the Georgie said that he's not allowed to um talk to strangers. After that, the clown said, "Now we know each other, so we can do each other." And so he said, "Okay." And so she showed up the, a balloon and said, "Do you want this?" And he said, "I don't really want it." <laughs> kind of. He didn't really say anything, and then. He showed up his boat, and he said, do you want, you want to get this? Come on, you can get it. And then he was a little scared, too, because he didn't want anyone to hurt him. And so he he took it from him, and then he actually took his hand and then, and then bited him, and he died. <laughs> he bited him. I fucking, I love that show, and, um... Yeah, I just I wanted to plug it one more time. Also, I found uh, while I was scrubbing through there uh, a clip that I think we could use later on. Tubi. <laughs> so we need, we need to make a uh, Tubi segment at some point and give uh, Charlie her time. We've had like four Tubi segments. I know. And what what was the uh, the name that we haven't like actually cemented? What to be or not to be? Is yeah. that too hack? Also, do you have an air humidifier behind you, or are you smoking? <laughs> it's a humidifier. Okay, because there's gas coming off of you. <laughs> yeah, it does look like it's coming off your forehead, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm burning up. <laughs> You're melting before our eyes. That's why I had to move over here so I can get it on the AC. Okay. Well, are, are you ready to kick things off officially then? Kick it. All right. Well, David showed up again. And uh, he, dude, he's got a new energy with him. I think he's drinking extra coffee before he comes over. He's a riff machine. And I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. Normally, we would do a bingo here. But I, I can't predict anything. Um, uh, you got anything, Oksana? Any predictions today? I think he's going to describe the scenery from the uh, viewing car. All right. Do you think there are still four viewing cars? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't see him ever returning to that, and I don't see popcorn ever coming up again, which kind of saddens me too. Yes, I mean that was a, that was the shock of the century. Yeah, for real. So I don't know. He's jittery. Um, I'll bring him in now. I think popcorn's back. Good morning. It's July 16, two thousand twenty-two, and it's a Saturday. Day one of weekend projects and the fun work train is running smoothly and continuously seven dining cars <laughs> and three observation cars oh, and now uh -oh. people are beginning to ask <laughs> you know if you're working on your projects and it gets late, or you get tired. Uh, is there a place? Uh, sleeping cars on the train. <laughs> what the hell? And now uh, they're thinking maybe the company should add sleeping cars. And there's a questionnaire you can fill out <laughs> if you're for or against adding sleeping cars <laughs> to the fun work train. <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> have a great day. All right, dude. He, he clearly, again, that was the director of Ant Head and What Did Jack Do? Um, he, he, he's not grown. Earlier, you mentioned we've had six years. We've grown. Our improv skill is unparalleled by anybody. And no. he's, he's struggling to keep up, dude. <laughs> no, but I, I, also, I'd make the argument for quite the opposite because he is literally growing the length of that train everywhere. <laughs> Like now it's just become like a segment of bookkeeping. Dude, and in this economy, the train is getting bigger. Yeah. There are seven <laughs> observations, three dinings, and Holy pending shit. sleeping. Who would be against a sleep train? Why would you need a different car for that? <laughs> Why didn't it have a sleep car ready? Well, yeah, <laughs> for sure. That, that Oksana brings up. The most salient point here yeah. <laughs> is why is there not already a sleeping car on there? Dude, I like how you're talking about that <clears throat> steaming while you're laying in your hotel bed. I know. You're very picturesque right now. Let me tell you something. I feel comfortable. All right. Well, I hate to disturb that comfort. Do I sound you, okay? Yeah, you sound, <laughs> you sound fine. You look fantastic. I know you uh, like my you like my leg kicked up. Yeah. You got a lot of inner thigh showing right now. I know you should take a picture of that. <laughs> can 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 one of y'all do it? Take a screenshot or something. I'm busy crafting a show. Uh also, uh I hate to disturb you in your lounge act right now. Yeah. Okay. I, you she literally just told me earlier when we were recording, you dropped and the picture that it froze on was hilarious. And I was struggling to get my phone out. The camera wouldn't open. And she was like, why didn't you just take a screenshot? 
So right now it's like take a screenshot and I'm not in there. It's not oh, on my screen. Right. I forgot our chat is boys only. God, would y'all get y'all's goddamn <laughs> act together? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, are you ready to do an act with me as you've uh, volunteered to participate in the next segment? Oh shit! Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <not> gonna... <laughs> All right. Uh, because today I like I teased five minutes ago. We do have two TBR reports. Uh, the found footage adventurer Thomas Burke did get back to me. So, whenever you're ready, give me a thumbs up, and I'll uh, I'll cue it up. All right. Okay, you're good. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Back to you. All right. Sorry I missed last week's TBR report. As the late great Socrates once said, beware the barrenness of a busy life. I actually just Google Socrates quotes, and this one sounded the most relevant to copy and paste. <laughs> but enough astrology. Let's get into found footy. Because I want to recommend a horror movie from Singapore called Haunted Changai, uh, pronunciation <laughs> pending, which is currently available to rent on Amazon Prime. I feel like this movie is one of those lesser known or underwatch flicks because I don't ever hear people discussing it, despite dating back to 2010. It's not necessarily going to be your hidden gem in a haystack film but it holds up being a good run-of-the-mill classic paranormal asylum film. Anyways, let me know what you think. All the best. Thomas Burke, Thomas Burke Report, LLC Unlimited. What's up, Clark? What's up, Randy? Audi 5000, Russell and Oksana, latest on the Minjay. P.S. I heard Turner Clay is back on the investigation swing. You know what that means? He was a good dad. <laughs> P.S.S. Every time I try and copy-paste over the film's uh, synopsis, it always translate over in white on white text for some reason. LOL, I think you mentioned that in an earlier episode. So to avoid this, I'll dual task between windows and manually type this synopsis <laughs> over to save us all a conjecture. Synopsis. In January 2010, a group of local filmmakers began exploring the famously haunted old Changai Hospital in Singapore with terrifying and tragic results. This movie pieces together the original haunted Changai film crew's footage to tell the story. Okay, now that that's covered, I'm out of here for real this time. All the best, Thomas Burke, sent from my phone. <laughs> Dude, good job, Clark. You really you nailed that one. Thank and uh, it's almost like Thomas is in the room with me when you read it. <laughs> so thank you. I am uh, very glad we made this decision. Also, important note that uh, this found footage movie takes place in Singapore, which means I get to use this clip that I've been waiting forever to use. So we're going to Singapore. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what that's from? No. Oh, well, it's funny that you got COVID. Because uh, I want to talk a little bit about propaganda as this movie, um, Haunted Chang'e. I think that's how they pronounce it in the movie. There's a weird thing going on here where it's a faux doc. Well, it's a traditional Blair Witch style movie. So it's a group of people making a documentary about a haunted asylum. We're not reinventing the wheel here. It is interesting because we are in um, Singapore. And in Singapore, there's a thick, there's a rich, you can taste it in the air, history. In World War II. And we get into a, a side that we don't normally see in America, especially the Bay Area of Japan. 
where it's, you know, World War II Japan was, they were mean. And uh, the asylum's got a deep history of, like, Japanese people decapitating motherfuckers. And, and uh, you know, there's a parallel theme that they don't really get into here, which is, like, propaganda and how you craft a culture of a country, right? Well, you know, uh, here in America, we had a little uh, vax war going on. And uh, I'm not that interested in it, but that clip I just played of that uh, very melodic dude kind of singing the word Singapore comes from a song that was to encourage people, this is, you know, government propaganda, to get vaccinated. So I thought Randy would be very excited if I uh, shared some Singapore propaganda from a pop star over there. And um, here, I'm going to go ahead and play a full verse for you. Clark, I need you to be a judge. If you want to hear more, let me know, because I got another one. And I think you're going to enjoy these. And here we go. So don't wait, get a shot. Five, five stars. It's great, right? Love it. Dude. Dude. Dude, uh, yeah. So, so excited we could cover this. Also, here's another verse for you. COVID numbers now so low. Why take now? Just take it slow. No cases, even no cases. Don't sabo and throw our faces. The vaccine don't just protect us. It lessens the spread, not that's the press. We don't catch it, means we don't spread it like that. They can keep people safe. Get it? Singapore. Here's the thing. If you make propaganda catchy, <laughs> that's how you do it. Well, here's the thing. Propaganda is not a bad word. I think it gets a bad rap because it's manipulation pretty much. Yeah. You can manipulate people into making a good choice. You can. Yeah. Propaganda. You turn propaganda into a hook. Yeah, for sure. Let's party. Dude, that shit has been stuck in my head since Thursday when I started pulling all this shit. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. Perspective is a theme between all the movies I'm going to be covering today. And uh, in this one, it's kind of used as a backdrop to help elevate the scary atmosphere of the, um, I believe it was a internment camp where Japanese troops were guarding and they would torture and kill English and, you know, Singapore, I don't know, Singaporeans, what do you call them? Clark to walk away. I know he would have loved to correct me there. But um, then it later became a mental institution. And, you know, God, America, like, we love to think of asylums as places of anti-freedom where you lose your mind and any ability to do anything. It's completely out of your control. And yeah, when you, we've all seen Batman. That's true. But I mean, uh, most of us that I mean, if you're listening to the show, you've probably seen TD Cut Follies, too. Which I honestly think at the time... Fuck Wiseman. No, dude. At the time, it was like groundbreaking journalism. The kind we don't have anymore. When you can make money being a journalist. Yeah, and he's been and repeating it for 50 years. Well, he, I, that is... I'm not going to argue with that. But I do think he's in a lane of uh, cinema. Again, he does direct cinema. The idea here is that he shows up for a month with the crew. And you get like an industry used to you being on set and then they start to act naturally again it's basically reality tv but done with a lot of pretension and in td cut folly he exposed how our government was essentially 
torturing, force feeding. Like it's a graphic movie. And that really had an impact on our culture. So when we think of like asylums or even mental health, it's all negative. And in this film, you don't get a lot of that. And, you know, the other thing that was great about that Singapore song is the the um, English. It's got a heavy accent. Um, I don't know if it's PC to call it English anymore, but that's what I used to hear. And hey, can, uh, you, can you send me a link to that song? Yeah, I'll, I'll send you the file. Um, it, uh, it, the dub of the movie is very similar. And it's almost like they're halfway. Like, if you weren't really interested in watching this movie, you could get away with cooking dinner and hearing it. But a couple of the characters are really struggling to get their English out. And um, I don't know. You know, it's pretty run of the mill. Um, The location is fantastic. It's a giant cavernous asylum. There's still a lot of furniture in there. I don't it doesn't look like they did a lot of set design. So the place looks genuinely creepy. It doesn't translate perfectly the show uh, this movie ends up feeling a lot like ghost adventures honestly. so it's abandoned it's abandoned and um it's got local lore that you know it's haunted and what's interesting is while they're there they run into random people like they clearly feel like extras in this case but you don't see a lot of that in like ghost adventures or in any of the like engraving encounters. which this movie it, it feels like the perfect foreign in-between of Ghost Adventures and Grave Encounters, which I know seems a little redundant because Grave Encounters ultimately felt like a fleshed-out episode of uh, Ghost Adventures where there's actually ghosts. But um, there's a lot of graffiti in this place, and it's all in English. And I was like, I, I know English is like one of the main languages they teach in other countries, but I'm like, would they really be tagging these walls in English? And uh, again, I, I knew Clark would, he was a little under the weather. So I actually pulled a couple of my favorite uh, graffiti commentary clips from this. So I got a couple. Stick with me. Here we go. 666. That's not so good. <laughs> there was 666 everywhere in this place. Like somebody had just opened a hot topic book of worshiping the devil. <laughs> and there was upside down crosses. Dude, it was, it's ridiculous. But uh, here's one that I thought Clark would like. Uh, I believe it said in English, I love dog. Here's a little commentary. I love dog. So does that mean that they are dog lovers or they like to eat dogs or they like to do other things with the dogs? How to be scared, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. And the transition. So this movie's pretty polished. Uh, actually, there's a pretty cool scene where we're sitting there and somebody's filming them edit the movie. And one of the characters does what they have to do. And they're saying, oh, you're documenting the documentary. Great. And I love that shit where they bring up the question of like, well, what's the movie then? They don't really do that here. But uh, they do show how, how meddlesome they get with this editing. And that da, 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 is a transition they love to use, which felt very akin to. Uh, do I still have it up here? Uh, I don't think I do. Oh, no, I do. Here we go. Like very over polished. Like, dude, yeah, I love it though. If if we could engineer sound like that, I feel like the the world of filmmaking would just be it would just blossom before us. Um, again, a couple other things I want to mention. This film it would play well if you brought friends over and you're just like, hey, let's watch a found footage movie. Again, we're not reinventing the wheel. Uh, there is a cool moment where they use an infrared camera down a long shaft. Um, love moments like that. There's I love a, a long shift. 
There's a character introduced in the third act that is uh, described as a hot squatter that I (laughs) thought was hilarious. Again, there is a girl squatting in this haunted asylum that is described as hot. Um, The director might get a little obsessed with her and continues going back to the asylum. (laughs) Which raises a bunch of questions of like, why don't you just bring her to your house, dude? Um, Let her squat on your face. Yeah. And again, the aesthetic, very MTV fear, too. Like, they even play a game at one point where they decide to split up the documentary crew and uh, sit in a room with all the technical devices off, except for the camera, of course, in the dark for 10 minutes and see who can last longest. Uh, Spoiler, I think that scene lasts like 20 seconds before it goes bad. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I recommend this one again. This is only for people who are like at the bottom of the barrel looking for more found footage because it's good, but there's not a lot of... um, new genre ideas explored here so what so, sounds like a three and a half yeah three and a half i think is pretty good there you, I, go. yeah, you nailed it clark this concludes the tbr report all right and it, uh, there is another one later but i'll do that in my uh review area okay you got anything else any other any other rabbits under that hat oh there's more but it's it's for later okay all right, Randy Michael, let's boogie, dude. I'm going to try to boogie. Uh, they are doing <laughs> yard work right outside my house at this very time, so it's going to be loud. Oh, you got you got lawn people now? I do, yeah. Oh, shit. How much do they cost? Well, for the first one, it's like 150 because it hasn't been done for like two months, so it's going to take extra work. Damn. How, how, how big, how many people in the crew? I think there's two out there right now. You got bushes and stuff? You got you got plants? <laughs> I got plants. I take care of the plants and stuff. They mostly are just doing the lawn. As I have mentioned before, uh, my house is on sort of a steep incline. So a lot of the lawn is very hard to get with a lawnmower. So they got a guy mowing part of the lawn and a guy like weed whacking the rest of the lawn that is like too hard to, to mow. And uh, for for our listeners who may not be uh, well versed in Randy speak, uh, steep incline means a hill. <laughs> Randy, steep. the last guy who is much bigger than I said, he tried doing it himself, and he said it was very tough. Dude, he's bigger than you. You're spry. The, you're scrappy. And the professionals that I called that are doing it right now said it's also not very easy. <laughs> They're just trying to get some money out of you. Life ain't easy, bro. <laughs> Dude, I would love to see you out there with like a lawnmower or a weed whacker and a trucker hat. I'm not opposed to mowing lawns. I uh, did it for a living when I was younger. Oh, what? I had a living. I mean, while I was living with my parents when I was like 13, I made extra cash. Fuck yeah. Scrappy Randy. What did did you buy with your lawn blood money? Drums. (laughs) You brought a drone? That's what I heard too. Oh, drums. You bought multiple drones, dude. Oh, good. <laughs> what did I? I probably bought, I don't know, Pogs. PAWG? Yeah. Is that what they were called? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Little round cardboard yeah. things with God, those th- what, what the them? hell was that? <laughs> that was a fantastic game that nobody played correctly. No, I didn't. I didn't. I just collected them. Yeah, well, I mean, dude, at my 7-Eleven, I remember they had slammers that they would sell behind the counter. Yeah. Which seems weird. How come 
Seven Eleven never went down like a card game avenue. I feel like they could have made a lot of money off of that. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking right, of making it. a lot of money off things, I saw v- very little movies this week. Uh, I see nothing new, but I will uh, just mention that I once again saw a David Lynch film. Fuck yeah! At the Plaza oh my Theater. God. <laughs> uh, last night I went to the Plaza and saw Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me, and it was fantastic. They played it very loud, um, which was great. Uh, it was in the big theater at the Plaza, so um, you know, nice big screen, and it looked awesome. A lot of people. Uh, well, it wasn't a huge crowd, but I don't know, maybe like thirty people. Not, not a lot, but uh, everyone was, uh, you know, down with the Lynch. Definitely there for Lynch. <laughs> It How, wasn't a uh, Cronenberg situation where there was a drunk person that was very annoying. Was there more people for uh, Inland Empire? I think so, yeah. That's wild to me. Yeah. Right, Russ? You would think that Fire Walk With Me would outdraw Inland Empire. Well, I don't know. I mean, Fire Walk With Me is legitimately a cult classic. Like, that movie... Yeah, but what, is, what the hell is Inland Empire? Inland Empire, I feel like, veers into the avant-garde. Yes. Strength. Yeah. It's three yeah. hours of DV bullshit. But also, they played it on a fucking holiday, dude. So all the little Randys out there with their wallet chains are going out to watch Inland Empire <laughs> on the day of resurrection, dude. Randy, have you ever owned a wallet chain? Yes. Back oh. in the day. <laughs> Russell, have you ever owned a wallet chain? I, I, what, honestly, what do you think? Yes. No, I never have. Really? Yeah, never once. Me either. Dude, I, you know, the type of nerd I am, the type of lame motherfucker I am, I always try to find other people who are lamer and I just make shit up. So I was like, if you got a wallet chain, you're fucking lamer than me. Even though I still own several articles of stained clothing. Not (laughs) that I dropped uh, food on it, but, you know, I was an Aaron Lewis fan. Yeah, you got that work shirt. Yeah, I got a hoodie. I could do though that work shirt. We should throw that on eBay. Also, no. I used to fit in that fucking work shirt. I can't even fit in that work shirt. It's like a, it's like an extra medium, dude. I look at that thing and I'm like, it's like we're gonna put creepy Clark in it. Hey, <laughs> hashtag no days off, dude. <laughs> What's that mean? Keep, hashtag keep grinding. Oh yeah, I'm I'm trying, dude. Food is my vice, baby. All right, so fire walk with me. Thirty people. You'd seen this before, yeah. Yeah, I actually own the criterion of it, but uh, I was looking for something to do yesterday, so I went and uh, it was a good time. Hell yeah. They also have a, uh, a photo booth at the Plaza Theater, great theater, and I took uh, photo booth pictures with just myself. I'll send them to you guys later. <laughs> did you really? <laughs> oh, I, did, I, yeah. I was it. also a little bit tipsy when I walked in, too, so I had a, a drink or two before, and then I was like, I'm going to spend $5 and take a goofy photo booth by myself. Oh, I, I had like 30 it. minutes to kill. Damn, dude. Okay, send that to us, and then we're going to send this to one of the 37 artists that we know, and then they're <laughs> going to make that the new logo of the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah shouts out to Plaza and the whoever programs there. They've been playing a lot of good stuff. They played Sorcerer this week, which I am uh, not cool enough to go to. Yeah, you should have went to that, dude. at 9.30 p.m. on a Thursday. Dude, but it's worth it. The fact that neither one of you jerk-offs have, still, have not seen Sorcerer is yeah. uh, it's embarrassing. I own it, bro. Well, watch it. <laughs> so they, they are playing Cruising in another 
couple Thursdays. Oh. I've never seen cruising. Uh, let's walk that. What y'all are? I got a one sheet. I'm a cruising uh, kid. That's what they call fans. <laughs> cruising kid. You're a cruiser. I got a yellow handkerchief in my uh, pocket right now. Hell yeah! What you guys don't know to watch the movie? I it's about you know gays. <laughs> it's about the male gaze, dude. Yeah, the male gaze. Good job. Thank you. Brandy. My next movie is a movie that I should have watched a long time ago. Uh, you know, I think both all of us have this thing where one of us recommends a movie we uh sometimes are wary of said recommendation. I pretty much figured that I would like this uh filmmaker just based on kind of what I had heard and had seen. Uh, I finally watched The Midnight Swim this morning uh, by director Sarah Adina Smith, who was on episode 314 of this here program. And uh, yeah, I really dug it. I I watched it on on Plex on my uh, Apple TV. And uh, Plex like aggregates stuff from like Crackle and like Voodoo and stuff. So it, it did have commercials, which was unfortunate, but they were placed... Well, they were actually placed at like the end of scenes and stuff. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. Really dug it. Um, yeah, just feels like a very good, like, you know, mix of like a good indie drama with, you know, kind of like one location, few characters, but like good conversations, good, uh, interpersonal connections. And then sort of like, you know, genre elements were, were cool too, but yeah, really dug it. Uh, and I need to, check out the rest of her movies, even though uh, I should have done that like six months ago. Nah, no, no shame there, dude. I, did you spend any time thinking about why that movie is found footage? Like why even make it in world camera? Kind of, but I don't really have a, uh, an idea as to why. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, just like ponder that for a little bit. Cause it's a really weird choice. That movie yeah. could have just been a regular film and it would have been just as good. But the the choice to make it all through the lens that is operated by one of the the sisters is it's very deliberate, and it's like it seems like it would make it a little bit harder, but yeah. also a little bit cheaper, maybe. But yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't know maybe that. it's just like a like an a thing to make it feel a little more intimate. Yeah, and like I don't know, I the like music video thing like in the middle of the movie. Oh yeah, where they're like lip singing to a song. I feel like if that came out in a version of the movie that wasn't filmed like in world camera, it may have felt weirder and like more false than it did in here. Oh, good point, dude. Yeah. Cause it does. It literally is like a diary that somebody yeah, is keeping. It's like a musical moment. So it would have been very weird if this like drama had this random musical moment, which could have still been cool, but I don't know. I felt like it especially worked for that scene. Sick. <laughs> Hell yeah. Dude, your fucking little like smoke thing is looks like it's shooting right out of your butt. Is <laughs> are we taking video? Isn't it cool? Nobody is, right? Oh. Okay. Then uh sorry audience, you won't get to see a steady stream of steam coming out of Clark's butt. Yeah, usually we blow smoke up Clark's butt during the show. <laughs> that's right. Good job. That's that's, that's it for me. You know, if you if you want to be the man, you gotta beat the man, you feel me? Oh yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, all right, here we go. Gauntlet time. I have uh, I have been stuck in this hotel room since Wednesday. It is currently Saturday, and I have watched because um, there's nothing else to do. Uh, one of my coworkers down here, uh, another manager, is um, he is off. He's been great. He he got me some stuff, but he also offered to bring an old uh, Xbox 360 here. Uh, and I was like, I appreciate it, but, um, and then I immediately realized, yeah, I probably should have taken that 360. <laughs> yeah, for know. sure. I'm, I'm losing my mind here, but <clears throat> also I have a book and, uh, if you could imagine, I still haven't read it. So of course, yeah. um, all right, I'm just going to hit some movies that I have seen. Uh, I think pre COVID like the day before. I got. I watched a. This is a. This is a, look. This is a trendy pick. Okay, I'm going to cover a lot of ground here, and I'm going to do it as quickly as I can because it's Saturday, and that means it's Kookaburr Day. All right, so <laughs> got to get my Kookaburrs on. Okay, got to get the kooks. The girl in the picture. You guys. Uh, you guys hear about this? Yeah, I know of it, but I'm good. All right, <laughs> don't watch it. Here's the deal. I hate true crime. I'm sick of true crime. I'm just, let me, let me be honest with you. I'm sick of truth and I'm sick of crimes. <laughs> and when you stick those two together, I just, I don't know. I mean, look, here's the thing. Like, you know, it, they're, they're compelling stories, but the formula is exhausting. And it's always a twist on a twist. And look at this. And it's always some weird sex thing. And it's always in, you know, the breadbasket of America. It's always small town USA. And it's like, oh, look at these sick dummies. And I'm just sick of it. And now, let me be very clear. This is a wild story. And I'll brief I'll try to paint the best picture of I can of what happened here. But uh there was this girl that died. She was hit <laughs> by a car on the side of the road in Oklahoma. And her identity was not her true identity. And as it turns out, she didn't even know who she really was because her father, or the person who claimed to be her father, um, with whom she was also married to, uh, was not her actual father. Um, he had kidnapped her as a child and raised her as his daughter and then married her and then whored her out at strip clubs. And then she had a son and then his son, uh, he kidnapped his son later once he was in the foster program and then he killed him. But no one knew that for years and years of what happened to this four-year-old child. And then also we're like, who is this girl? And in 90 minutes in the documentary, we find it. And also people had written books on this. They couldn't figure it out. Um, and then we finally figured out the true identity of this woman um, who had had three different identities throughout her life. Um, and then we meet her birth parents and that was weird. Um, I mean, honestly, that's worth seeing the movie of seeing these two kooks. Um, <laughs> kookaburra. Uh, oh, don't put the kookaburra on these. Right? <laughs> kookaburra is nothing but good. Uh, this is, it's sad. It's just sad. And there's, it's just don't do it. One star. Now. <laughs> Hell yeah. Also, <clears throat> um, Mark Maron had on Orny Adams. 
Russell, you do do you know who Orny Adams is? Orny Adams? No. Orny Adams is a comedian. Uh Orny Adams was uh featured heavily in the 2002 film Jerry Seinfeld Comedian. Okay. Not familiar. N- neither one of you guys had seen this? Mm-mm. I saw it when it came out. Uh, well, I saw I no, I saw it years after it came out. First, I want to say I enjoy this. Uh, I've seen it before, as I said, but um, it is painfully 2001. I mean, it is... It it's I it had to be shot on a DV camera. It looks horrendous, um, but it's still entertaining to do because essentially it's just Jerry Seinfeld. Um, you know, he had retired his entire act, and then he wanted to go back on the road and build new material. So a camera crew followed him around, and then the camera crew also followed around Orny Adams um, because Seinfeld uh, thought he was interesting because Orny Adams was the only one that was uh, that would speak negatively to Seinfeld, like telling the truth, like "Yeah, your act's not that good yet." Oh. <laughs> Something like that. And Orny Adams was just a very cocky 29-year-old. And he is the villain of this film. And when he was on Mark Marin's show, Mark Marin had him on to try to reconcile because he said, dude, I've hated you for 30 years. <laughs> he's like, you're, you're, you're terribly annoying, and I just don't like you. But I want to move forward. Like, Marin's doing his Marin thing. And so they worked out. It's an interesting interview. But I, And he talked about how terrible that film was for him because he's like, dude, Bill Cosby's in this thing, and I'm still the fucking villain. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not wrong. Um, and, you know, I, I think that I just wanted to watch this movie again with a, you know, a different perspective and a little bit more with Orny Adams. And, yeah, I mean, he's just a super cocky guy. But he's a good comedian and, um, you know, just the... And it's not like they're they're doing it. Yeah, they edit him a certain way, but like it's it's him, and he's doing his thing, and it's just uh, you you can see why people hated him. And uh, but you know, w- with that perspective, it's just you know he's he's just a driven guy, and he's a good comedian, and he wants what he feels like is is uh, he deserves after being in the industry for nearly ten years at this when this documentary was filmed. So. Um, yeah, interesting, uh, interesting film. Jerry Seinfeld, oh, that, is, that is on Netflix. Let me jump in there. Uh, if you're listening to the show right now and you have the ability to Google something, Google Orny Adams, O-R-N-Y. He looks like Seinfeld had a twin brother and this is the evil one. They look similar. His hair, is his hair crazy? Well, if you just Google it and go to images, the first row, it's like he's got kind of the, the same jaw and smile as like yeah. Seinfeld, and his hair kind of looks like uh, uh, Edward Scissorhands style. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's bigger. He looks like so, Seinfeld raised by the Adams family, so his name is perfect. True. He's a villain. He needs to just realize it. And ultimately, the real, Avera, the real villains in America are just cocky people who give you their opinion and you never ask. Well, Orny Adams is his uh, stage name. <laughs> his real name is Adam Orenstein. <laughs> so he went with Orny Adams, and oh, uh, I don't hate it. Well, maybe people would have been nice to him if they knew he was Jewish. Should have kept the Orenstein. The one night this week, I, all the days have run together at this juncture, but one night... I could not go. I woke up at one o'clock, 
And I not only was not tired, I was I was kind of wired, and it was weird. Tired I, and wired. I had slept most of the day, probably, and I just yeah. So it was one o'clock, and I decided to watch um, a film from 1980 with Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, and I watched Stir Crazy at 1.30 in the morning. I actually had never seen Stir Crazy. And uh, also had never realized that it was about a prison rodeo, something that I talk about <laughs> fairly regularly. And um, also, Randy, do you have any idea who directed this film? I don't know. Sidney Portier oh, directed Stir Crazy. <laughs> and let me say, R.I.P. to Sidney Portier, one of the greatest actors we've ever known. Not a good job on Stir Crazy. Oh, shit. <laughs> the, movie's, the movie's an absolute mess. And if it were not for Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder, uh, this would be unwatchable. And it's, it's just a waste because, I mean, look, man, how can you make a prison movie not compelling? And that's kind of what happened, especially a prison break movie. And they do the prison break from the rodeo, and then it just turns into it turns into a rom-com um, love interest thing that's just a zero. But again, dude, I mean, these two of the most charismatic people we've ever had on screen together, and their chemistry is is unbelievable. Like, I, it's it's wild to me. And you know, they've made many movies together, but you know, the fact that who who would have paired Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder to be the great on screen coupling that they were. And, you know, they had some horrible projects together, but man, they, they were always just good and they just have incredible chemistry and there's some funny here. Um, and I enjoyed it because I enjoy them and, uh, yeah, had a great time with, with stir crazy. Um, and you know, there's some stuff, you know, I, there, there's lines I want to pull from, uh, Richard Pryor in that movie about being short. It's very, (laughs) mark them down. Oksana, have you ever seen this one? I don't know if I've seen the whole thing. I feel like I saw it on TV. She um, is a huge Gene Wilder fan. And I believe she's like read his book and watched a bunch of the movies. What's it's your favorite? It's a good book. I don't know. I mean, I'm not like super familiar with them. I just like Gene Wilder a lot as an actor and like a person. He's, 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 he's great in this because he just has unbridled confidence in every move he makes in this movie. And like he just walks into situations where he shouldn't, because he, he thinks he can solve every problem. It's just really good. Also, we have a young Craig T. Nelson in here um, as a prison guard. Uh, man, it's great. I, I had fun with it. But um, uh, there's there's a weird thing going on with IMDb too, where if you go to number seventy nine of the photos, like you know, whenever you're in here, Clark, we shuffle through all the still images. Yeah, the last like five of them are weird photos that are not framed properly of VHS tapes, like the cover laid out of the the clamshell. And the last three are DVD covers, including the scene selection insert. I don't know how you get these on IMDb, but clearly this came out when IMDb was new. Do you see that? It's fucking (laughs) weird. It feels like like a... I don't know, like an arg I just stumbled upon. Yeah. What the hell? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on. I'll talk about... Kevin. Last night I watched Hereditary. That was the movie I couldn't think of I watched last night. I watched Hereditary again. 
guys, it's still good. No, that's it. That's I just wanted to, yeah, I just I just wanted to revisit it. I think for the fourth time. Oh um, wow! Yeah, well, I saw it twice in theaters, and then I'm pretty sure I had seen it one more, and so I assume this is my third or fourth. But I'm gonna lean towards fourth. Um, guys, it's it's still good. I was looking for flaws. I was. Uh, there's that weird exposition dump where he finds like the chest of all the shit. It's pretty quick. They don't get hung up on it. And the ending, it's all all there at the end. And I feel like, you know, it, but they, there is enough foreshadow. There is so much foreshadowing in this movie. It's wild. Um, that, that's what I would say is like, you look forward to (laughs) is just the constant foreshadowing that happens in this movie. Um, (laughs) Dude, I just imagined a Blu-ray cover that had a quote from you. It's like wild foreshadowing, Clark Little. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When that girl, as as Tim Dillon put it, has the face of a tuna sandwich, that girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so bummed Tim Dillon is not more interesting when he talks about film. When uh, her head when her head pops off, it's still effective. Good. It, I'm happy to hear that. Man, when she's not breathing, I st- I will never like that scene. It it will never not make me uncomfortable. Uh, the best part of that movie is when your neighbor shows up and wants you to do a séance with them in your apartment. That captured my imagination in a way that I don't think a horror film has like since. I yeah. love it. It's so Payman. good. Payman. <laughs> All right. Um <clears throat> there are a couple other ones, but I I want to close with this one. Um I watched for the first time, and I think the reason why I didn't watch this one is because I had such a bad taste in my mouth from Paranormal Activity 4 that I was just done with the franchise. Uh, Because Paranormal Activity 4, as a reminder, is uh, one of the worst pieces of shit that has ever been released to human mankind. I would say COVID-19 has done more for the world than Paranormal Activity 4. (laughs) Uh, I wish Paranormal Activity 4 would have been kept in a lab and under lock and key, uh, because that's a piece of shit. But Paranormal Activity 5, the marked ones, is good. I I really enjoyed it. I like the fresh perspective. You know, we get away from, uh, you know, fucking emo teens on their uh, Xbox movement shit and we get away from well I say we get away from Katie and, and Mika but you know it, we may circle back on that at the end of the movie but um, you know but you know, we're following this Latin family and his friends and he's living with his abuelita and that I that you know I like that communal um, I love this I love the location the location is one of my favorite things about this movie. I love that apartment complex. It just seemed very communal and um, you know, everyone knew each other and it just it just worked really well on camera. And you know, just you know, stories, you know, it's uh he gets marked by a bruja. There you go. That's all you need to know. There's a witch down there, she dies. They start fucking around and that's the problem. You go looking for trouble, you will find it. And that's what happened with that young man. And uh, now he's, you know, no longer with us. Spoiler alert. (laughs) And, I mean, yeah, at the end of it, they kind of go back into the territory of four where you've just got, you know, witches everywhere and they're haunting. But that's fine. They did it better than four. Um, Exponentially. 
and you know we get you know gangs are involved trying to hunt these witches and uh i don't know man it was fun i really like the 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 change in perspective and um yeah man i really enjoyed it yeah there's a good format change there like from security camera to like pretty much all handheld from yeah, whatever. Oh, yeah yeah excellent point uh and the, the the leads were good. They were charismatic. They were fun. Um, I the main kid was great. I yeah, man. This honestly, this is one of my favorite uh, paranormal movies, without question. Dude, so happy to have you on board. Um, I told the story like three times on here, so I'm gonna just do the abridged version. But do you get now why when we saw it in the theater and there was a local radio station who? <laughs> I don't know why they thought this was a good idea, but we were in a giant AMC um, like IMAX theater, and the only people there were sitting all the way in the back. And they're like, whoever runs down here first will get a new Beyonce demo. So people were literally <laughs> jumping over seats, running down, trying to get to their booth, and they were just riling up this crowd. And I was sitting there going, you're going to fucking kill this movie with this energy. And the movie started. 10 minutes in, everybody had shut the fuck up and all the scares were working. And I just remember thinking like this film is just, it's good. It works. Uh, did you get any scare? How are you watching movies in the hotel? Are you hooked up to a TV or are you doing it on a laptop? TV. Okay, cool. You're just going like HDMI. No, I have uh no. So at the hotel, I have, um, <clears throat> I can watch uh, all on the TV. I can watch Netflix Amazon Prime, uh, and YouTube, and then also anything on Showtime. Oh, okay. You're not doing like Apple TV or anything. It's just no. no oh, that's pretty all, cool. It's all through the uh, the hotel. All right. Well, I'm I'm glad you checked out uh, the marked ones, dude. I um I think we actually got like T-shirts from that event we mm -hmm. went to. Yep. Yeah. Fucking. It was really cool. Yeah, also way better than the last one. That last one may be worse than four, if I'm honest. No way. It's stupid. No way. People are hard on that one. I liked it. That one is stupid. It breaks <laughs> format a little bit. And like, I don't know. I like the idea. They're going out to the um, Amish community. And like technology becomes almost like a weapon. Because, you know, these are people who live their whole life away from it. And then yeah. the, our whole introduction, the way the story is being told is, you know, the invasion of an electric eye. Yeah, I don't know. M, I, M. Night did it better, dude. Oh, shut the <laughs> <laughs> No, it was good. I, I totally agree with you, though, that part four is awful. Again, the only thing we got from that was the uh, Xbox Connect, which That's shot it. the infrared all over that Ghost Adventures promptly stole. Dude, there's Zach Baggins knows what he's doing, dude. You don't get a museum in uh, Vegas by just being some regular Joe Blow. And then I also watched uh, Primal Fear again. I I wanted to take a break from movies, and so I just I turned on the TV. Um, well, I don't know why I said that. Like Norm Macdonald turned on the TV, and I was gonna. I just I was just like, I need something dumb, so I was gonna turn it on the Office. But that just shows you how fucking stupid this hotel is. I turned it on Comedy Central, and it goes to Showtime. And then I got stuck watching Primal Fear again. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was um, like 20 minutes in, and I just watched the rest of Primal Fear. And have you guys seen Primal Fear? No, but I just I looked it up so. on a... 
I looked it up on IMDb and I found that it was uh, directed by Gregory Hoblet. So you went from a Baggins <laughs> to a Hoblet. Good job. I did. There we go. <laughs> um, it's it's Edward Norton's debut, and he was nominated for best supporting actor. Um, he goes he goes bananas in this thing, and it's crazy that it was his screen debut. Um, because he's he's fantastic. The movie's stupid, but <laughs> man, I just I'm a sucker for courtroom dramas. And, uh, yeah, I like it. It's dumb, but I like it. And I like Richard Gere. And uh, it's got a big cast in there. And, uh, you know, if you like courtroom dramas and you like twisties, you know, this is a twisty. A titty twisty. It's a titty twisty. Oh, dude, the poster for Primal Fear looks like a fake movie poster that would pop up in, like, a TV show. Oh, 100%. It's so, like, rot with tropes. George, George and Jerry are going to go see it later. Oh, dude, exactly. Yep. Yep. Uh, Rochelle, Rochelle. Against, yeah. With uh, Ponce de Leon. Uh, wh- prognosis negative. <laughs> Progno- um, prognosis negative was good. Well, what was the, oh, what was the other one? Now balls in your court. Wasn't there one with like a chess? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. You said Rochelle, Rochelle prognosis negative. Ponce de Leon. <laughs> I don't know. I th- those are the heavy hitters. Randy, what am I? Am I missing anyone? Yeah, I don't know. All right. I think hey, what, right. what did you ever do with your fake movie poster that you got at um, Sinister Creature Con? Still in a tube. Oh, you should put that up. What was the name of that movie? Nebraska Jim. That's right. <laughs> That's cool. We should throw that in a frame. I I like fucking with not real one sheets because then I feel like you can actually use them put like thumbtacks in them or throw them in a shitty frame and put them up on the wall. We should do that. All right, Russ dog. That's it for me. All right. You're all done. Okay. I got two more left. Um, let's jump back in to, uh, everybody's favorite segment, the TBR. Are you ready for that one? The TBR report. Again, <laughs> twice. This week, I'm recommending a Netflix movie called Incantation, currently Taiwan's top-grossing horror film. We follow a woman, Rao Noon, who is attempting to lift a curse through her many video diary entries, which is kind of ironic due to her video diaries ultimately getting her into this mess to begin with. Incantation is an extremely well-polished and interactive horror film that is certainly worth the watch if you're into found footage. I caught a couple of continuity errors in which the in-world camera doesn't make practical sense, but besides that, this movie felt very poetic and near-perfect to me. So let me know what you think. I'm hoping to spread enough word about this so we can get it put into the Criterion Collection, uh, because then we'll know for sure that Randy will have no other choice but to check it out himself. Uh, Heart (laughs) emoji. Love you guys. Cheers. Thomas Burke, director, editor of a few found footage movies sent from my iPhone. Now, um... Again, Thomas Burke, our found footage adventurer. So glad to have him back. I think he was very busy when I reached out to him and said, hey, I know I didn't do the TBR last week, but uh, can you write me an email anyway? Because the movie that he had told me prior that he was going to give me incantation, I'm like, this whole week, people have been like, how come you haven't fucking watched this movie yet? And Thomas woke up 
the day it dropped on Netflix, which um, in his location was 4 a.m. The moment that uh, it dropped, he got he set an alarm. He actually went to bed before so he could be fresh. And um, there's a lot of hype. And I was getting worried. I'm, I hate it when people like they build it up. And, you know, us horror fans, it's like, oh, people are really into this. They're probably doing new things. Uh, list, listener <laughs> Sam has built this thing up like a skyscraper. I know, Sam, I love you. And I was supposed to call him and get uh, his perspective before I talked about it, but I, I'll do it. I'll probably hit him up tomorrow. Um, again, Sam works with us on the Unnamed Footage Festival, so I'm super curious to hear his thoughts. Anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bicker with Thomas a little bit here. He came in kind of like, you know, I think it's near perfect, but there's some continuity errors. And I think when we were talking to Tony on um, the last episode we did, I had mentioned how it's interesting the parameters of found footage and how they relate to like Dogma 95. And they're, they're essentially unspoken rules in the case of found footage in world camera films that are broken all the time. And this movie, it's, it's interesting because Tom went out of his way to point out that there's continuity errors. And while me and Oksana were watching this movie with, by the way, we did it in our theater with the lights off very loud it's at 11 30 p.m 11 30 p.m with new new cups of coffee right up front we we did it right and the movie's great it's fantastic so just if you were wondering what i thought but during the film i i turned to oxana at one point and i said uh how are they filming this right now and she had remind me that there was a hidden camera in a stuffed animal and I, I was like, oh, okay, you're right. And she's like, yeah, the framing looks a little bit privileged to be like, you know, just kind of uh, ramshackle camera being tossed around. But here's the thing. Who gives a fuck? The thing is that the editing is seamless. It's not distracting. And it really can be when you're jumping around in a found footage movie. And it, they, the craft just really works here. It's a good horror film. I would even go as far to say that I was uh, getting a little scared at parts. Is that fair? Were you scared at all? I jumped a couple times for sure. Dude, and it's not like a cat running out of a closet jump scared. Like, they really earn this shit. And the cinematography is fantastic. Yet, I did, you know, turn to her and say, what's up with this camera? And I don't know why we do that. Because this film has fully polished, fully lived crafted soundscape there's music through the whole fucking movie and they're doing the traditional like we are guiding you with emotion yet i never complained about that <laughs> and thomas didn't complain about that and whenever we talk about breaking the rules of the in-world camera format that's usually the one that seems to be um more of a positive if you ignore it and this film does something that is so incredible and you know, I, we talk about this a lot in world camera, which basically means that the genre is being the film is created by characters in the film. Well, this film it elaborates on the the thing that I I look for a lot in found footage, which is the idea of a haunted artifact. Like if you were going to watch um, VHS, the um, the anthology film and really try and like immerse yourself in like the arg that it creates. Then you might be holding a VHS tape from like a fucking derelict house with a fat guy on a couch. And uh, you know, it's not much more clear beyond that, but you know, you're holding something that has survived this terrible um, 
situation. And in this movie, that is completely realized. And we're doing we're dealing a lot with religion and uh, spiritual belief and superstition. And it's boiled into the craft of the film. There's a moment. Um, who's the director that we had on the show that did late phases? Uh, fuck. He did um, yeah. uh, Black. What, what the hell was the movie we showed at the uh, uh, Another Hole in the, the Black Head? Black Circle. Yeah. Black Circle. Now, remember how that movie opens? Also, if you haven't seen that film, it should be available now. Find it. Watch that fucking movie. It's great. And it opens with a visual trick where you look at an image for a long time and then it switches, but you know, you have the, the light residue left over in your eye and you can play with that. And it's weird that more movies haven't. And it's strange that a lot of found footage hasn't done it. Well, incantation does it. And it actually is part of the narrative. Earlier, I had mentioned that perspective was going to be a theme through all the films I talk about. And this film not only, you know, has it running through the idea of like, you know, what's evil, what's good. It literally is tackling it head on. I um, highly recommend this film. I thought it was fantastic. I thought the craft, they're, they're even playing a little bit with like time, I think, where um, uh, what uh, uh, Record of Sweet Murder did it where you're watching the thing and by the end you start thinking of timeline like that film had the whole like is it done in one shot one continual shot this one's more of an editing trick and you're never really sure when when events are happening like it feels like it might be shown to you not in chronological order it's a um it's a fantastic film yeah so incantation is it's incredible and the fact that it's on netflix is uh we're lucky because everybody can check it out. Watch it with some people, good people though. Like you don't want to talk through this film. The story's a little heavy, so you got to hang in there with it. There is um there's levity though. There's a lot of comedy in here. In fact, uh there's more graffiti. This one is in the form of a penis, so I know Clark will love that. Yeah. Uh, Clark, if you're down to watch this, I would love to like sit down and and revisit it again. All right, only dubbed uh oh man okay thank you for saying that um haunted changi changi i think you say is uh that film completely acceptable with the way that they speak and you don't need subtitles this one watch it fucking subtitled i can't even imagine what the dub would be i'm a hundred percent sure it's just distracting though (laughs) also there's some very interesting gang signs introduced in this movie and there was a great moment for uh audio clip that i meant to pull i totally forgot so y'all looked out and um i don't don't mean to throw you under the bus randy as you mentioned you didn't really remember this movie but you did give it a three and a half on letterbox so that's like a perfect score for you in uh found footage yeah it was good uh i dug it i dug all the like you know sort of interactive stuff up front thought that was very cool and I couldn't actually tell if the trick was my brain actually doing it or if they were actually like reversing it in the editing. Yeah. Because it would only, it would only happen for like a split second. And I was like, am I tricking myself? So that was very cool. It it was, it was the edit because I've rewatched this several times. Okay. (laughs) Here's the, no, it's not. Now, uh, I, you know, I actually wasn't even, I forgot about that visual trick. They do a little thing where there's a train going through a tunnel. And it's just, it it almost looks like a gif. And there's a VO over it that says now 
you have control over your reality and they're relating it to religion at the time, but they're like, now make the train go into the tunnel. And it's like, well, what do you mean? And, and you're looking at it and it's like, okay, now make the train coming out of the tunnel. And yeah. I, I'll tell you, they do a couple of uh, different like visual experiments like that. The first one, I couldn't get it with the Ferris wheel. Uh-huh. The second one with the train, I, I think I finally was able to like pause my brain and reset in that moment. Yeah. And when, when I was able to do it, it was right at the end, but it felt like I had like transcended, like I leveled yeah. up or something. Dude, fantastic film. And this is what I yeah. want from found footage. I want th- play with the craft. Like you're having a direct dialogue with an audience watching your movie. And if a character is creating it, let's play with it a little bit. Let's expand on the narrative. I, uh, I love this film and I'm, I don't know why, but I'm kind of hesitating to give it five. I'd probably go four and a half. I'm not sure why. While I watched it, you mentioned it is actually like pretty creepy. Um, and the subject matter is like a little dark too. I, I thought we were going to talk about it last week just cause you guys had posted about it. So as mentioned, I watched it last week, but I started it Saturday night. I think I also expected it to not be two hours. Yeah. And then once I got like 30 minutes in, I was like, oh shit, this isn't like under 90. So I watched it in two parts. A, because it was a little too long and I knew I would probably get sleepy and B, I got a little like creeped out and I was getting like, I was feeling weird a little <laughs> bit too. Yeah. So I turned it off and I watched a couple laps of impractical jokers and then went to sleep. <laughs> Whoa, you needed a fucking palate cleanser, dude. A little bit. Yeah. Now, again, you are living in your uh, beautiful home that you now own alone. Yeah. Dude, that's tough. If, if you open that door to like the what if imagination. Yep. Uh, you're, it's all downhill, man. And I, I completely know what you're talking about. I um. When I, when I was living at my parents' house, I lived in a garage that had a window right next to a couch that I had propped up against a car that was the <laughs> landlord's car, which I actually think is illegal in California to store shit in a rental home. But whatever, that's, a, that's another podcast. And on, the window had no curtain, so I had hung up a Slipknot poster I had from like Hot Topic, <laughs> which you know le- allowed the light in, and it also didn't completely fill the window. Man, if I let my brain go into, is somebody looking in here? Because I would have the TV on and I couldn't see out. I, I would be right there with you, Randy. I'd have to throw, because I would watch X-Files at night too. And yeah. I would just be terrified. But with incantation, you're, you're not the only one to say the movie was too long. In fact, yeah. I think every person who uh, had reached out to me had mentioned, dude, the movie's fantastic. It's too long, but it's fucking good. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, man. Yeah, what would you even get rid of? I, I like, like. Well, again, I think the runtime kind of helps you double down on your attention. Like you got to pay attention to it. You really got to live in this world. I, I don't know. Um, we mentioned listener Sam earlier. He said he has an argument for why the film is longer. Um, I'm sure this isn't the last time we'll talk about incantation. So maybe after I connect with him this week, I'll bring it back next week and get his argument on. Maybe we, we should just have him on the show. There's great throat yeah. singing in it too. And that was the clip Ooh. I almost pulled. I almost oh, pulled nice. that. Yeah. Ooh, uh, I love throat singing. None of the musical, uh, none of the music stands out as being like not diegetic to me. I don't remember any yeah. of it being like intrusive or anything. So maybe that's why you didn't have any. 
Well, no, that's that's what I'm saying is that like this, the Steven Spielberg way to make a movie like he, you know, he created the blockbuster. It's, you know, the uh, magician perfecting the craft and all the magic tricks, the editing, time distortion, music, um, narrative handholding. It kind of melts into the background with Spielberg. And that's why he's like prolific. And of course, you don't complain about it because you don't even fucking notice. And I just, for everybody who, you know, like me and Tom, sit there and go, well, how did they capture this shot? It's like, dude, there was fucking BGM the whole damn movie. <laughs> and that didn't, I mean, I guess you could make the argument that uh, the one who had edited and finished the film added that in after, but that would be, that seems unlike something her character would do. Yeah. So yeah, Incantation, it's great. Um, Clark. They're, try- they're trying to get Spielberg to do Marvel movies. Are they really? <laughs> yeah. Is he too good for it, or like? I'm sure. He I mean, he did so. Ready Player One. Yeah, and he also did that's the close. fucking Crystal Skull, which was he killed that franchise. Yeah, that's yeah. was like it's not. Yeah, it's not. Also, and uh, I retweeted this on my Twitter, which I rarely do. Um, I just thought it was because I, I I'm sick of the Russo brothers and their bullshit. <laughs> And they said that uh, this whole thing about movie theaters being uh, temples of sen- temples uh, oh, yeah, are, yeah, are, is bullshit. I'm like, no, you're bullshit. <laughs> like, why? Why do we need? Why do we need to listen to the brain trust of you, me, and Dupree about um, fucking what's good for movies? Now, Fuckin piece of garbage. Here's the thing. I think Incantation would play fucking fantastic in the theater. Of course, it which. Would. Which is kind of a bummer that it, I mean, look, God, what a fucking double-edged blade here. Netflix means everybody can watch it, but you're watching it at home and then you realize, fuck, this ain't a 90 minute movie. You're feeling a little creeped out and then you got to fucking turn on Impractical Jokers. You couldn't do that in a theater. I fucking hate the Russo brothers. Also, what will the Impractical Jokers be without Joe Gatto? This is the question that I think. Yeah, Randy, did you watch, was it new or was it old, classics? Uh, it was season, I think I was going through season nine. John Gabris is on the newest episode, though. Oh, hell yeah. Well, so, yeah, what, no Joe? The season that I was watching? Yeah. No, he's on it still. Okay. Yeah, I think they're recording that one now, and uh, from what I heard... The wig? <laughs> what, I, what I heard from um, Sal Gatto, who is a... Uh, He's a good stand-up, man. I like that guy. Sal Volcano. Volcano. You, you, what did I say, you, Gatto? You mixed up Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I got Joe on the mind, man. He's the best. And um, yeah, Sal Volcano, he, um, he, he basically said that they're just going to have a guest on every episode. Yeah. Oh, whatever. They, they're big enough now. That could be interesting. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's not a bad way to go. But all right, also, like, who doesn't know them by now? How can they still get away doing stuff? Dude, I think I about that every time. I don't I think, understand. Yeah. I guess you have to prey on tourists in New York now, <laughs> like no locals. Yeah, yeah, it's all got to be international. <laughs> all right, uh, let's let's get out of the TBR thing. Uh, I'm gonna play us out. This concludes the TBR report. This concludes the TBR report. All right, one more, and then you're all free. Uh, Oksana, do you want to set this one up, or do you have like a theme song that you're gonna sing? Or do you have like a drum roll ready <laughs> to to finally, you know, with audience participation, settle the dispute? I believe. Oh, I, are, I know what we could call this segment. 
Oh, okay. Twitter poll call. Oh my god, I really hate that. <laughs> <laughs> like, not even ironically. Like, I just think it's not good. <laughs> it's uh, good. Also, I mean, we did take pretty much. If you got in contact with us via email, via Instagram, TikTok, anything, we we counted it, and uh, we we had a winner. And I, unfortunately, <laughs> Clark and I weren't in the same room to watch this film. But uh, yeah, you got something. I've, I feel like I was stolen. You know, that's good enough. You don't have to do anything. What was the movie that lost? Well, are you going to reveal what won? Yeah, we'll do it after. I mean, people will figure it out. Allegoria. God, man. So I here I have I have a complaint with this segment. The first time we did it, I wanted to watch both movies, and I was like, I felt almost like it would be a betrayal if I ended up watching Allegoria. You, I, I totally want to watch Allegoria too. So wait, here, here I got an idea. Um, listener Sam reached out when he was like, "If you end up watching Allegoria, please invite me over. That movie's insane." So maybe uh, again, we're we're having a meeting right now during the show, but maybe we could book him and watch that and talk about Incantation. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Okay, so we'll do both. Again, this won't happen again. <laughs> Actually, do you have another pair of PR yeah. uh, battle? Oh, you do. Okay. Can we, we have to do it like Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, it's fine. Also, he might not want to be around you if you're like a COVID swamp monster. <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah. We'll just, yeah, he can do it, at we home. Can we can do it remotely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Done. Easy. Um. All right. All right. Right now? Yeah. If you want. Wait, what What are you doing? <laughs> I'm not sure. I thought you were going to talk about the, the one that won. Okay. Then we're getting into it. The realtors. No, damn it. I knew. <laughs> I wore, I said you all had to stop me if it looked like I was about to say realtors. The, the retaliator. The retaliators. <laughs> the realtors. Not, this movie is not about Randy's mom. Um, although we, we need to get in contact with her, Randy. We need to get a house. Anyway, the, the retaliators. Clark, you watched this this morning. I watched it this morning. Um, I'll take the lead here, but I am fucking curious what you thought. Actually, can can we get a taste of now? Let's not spoil it again in the press release. I think they wanted us to talk about this in September. Mm -hmm. So, uh, whoops. Uh, maybe we'll pull the audio clip of what we're talking about right now and put it up on a reel or something, but no spoilers, at least try. All right. So, um, there is a heavy dose of Papa Roach, uh, sprinkled throughout this film. What do you mean? Music or like? Well, I, they're, in, they're in it and their, their music basically scores the movie. Well, here's the thing. There are so many people that look like they should be in a band that I had no idea who was who and what band they were actually in. They, they were. I, this is confirmed. Yeah, dude, it's confusing. I, I was kind of excited to be like, oh, shit, that's an idiot from Five Finger Death Punch or something. But I couldn't. Everybody yeah. kind of looked like an extra villain in this movie. Also, there were Five Finger Death Punch. I think they were in the music, too. But um, yeah, and the, let's be honest, the music is a little distracting for me, but it's fine. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you that. So we it, the movie opens up a la No Doubt, No Country for Old Men. That is the vibe I got at the beginning because we get a voiceover and we're going over like docile nature shots and the um, the VO is all centered around good and evil. And I'm like, what are we? We're doing no country right now. 
Then we open up and uh, we think that this is a zombie film. Um, and then we don't hear about zombies for an hour. And we're like, what, 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 what's going on? What are we doing? And let me tell you, it took probably towards the end of the second act, third act, where I was fully in. Oh, yeah. Boy, did I have fun. Okay, good. I, I enjoyed the hell out of this thing. It took a little while to get there um, because there were certain things that, look, anytime you deal with like church stuff, I'm just like, no, that's not a real church. And also that, <laughs> the, back, the backing band of that church, Mamma Mia. What well, was that? And the dude, music they were playing, I'm like, no way. I think that was Five Finger Death Punch. Uh, may, I mean, it could have been. There were so many musicians in this movie. And, you know, right when we started getting to, uh, once it was revealed that the lead was a uh, pasture, is that what he was? Like, what? A pastor. He's not a field of grass. <laughs> <laughs> I always do that, too. It's a realtor's pastures. I don't know, dude. Um, I was like, fuck. I wish Clark was in the room with me. And I believe I started texting you, and I was like, hey, man, if you didn't watch it, it's fine. Let's bump it to next week because I really wanted to like enjoy that with you. Um, fuck, dude. Yeah, we open up and there's a couple of girls driving around the woods. Uh, there's a car troubles. One of them gets out, gets attacked by a dude. Then a bunch of people show up, and you're right. It it looks like zombies. Somebody gets their head cut off, and you're like, who did that? Then a dude who looks disheveled but not like a zombie shows up. Yeah, and uh. She's like, what's happening? Zombies? And he's like, they're not zombies. And then he gets dragged under the car and pulled away. And then uh, we have a wide shot of the car and all the zombies run in there and kill the girl. I was like, what the fuck am I watching? Also, it didn't look bad. No, 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 I'm telling you. No, it was, dude, that. It was well produced. It looked great. Um, the effects were ve- were solid, um, and th- you know they didn't cut corners, man. That's no. my big thing. They did not cut corners here. Like, yeah, you could tell that there was some budgetary restraints, but like, not a whole lot. Like, we have a lot of different sets here, um, and you know we've got a lot of extras, and there are a lot of people in this thing, and like it was not shoddy at all. And again, you know, I feel like that. You know, sometimes we have to prep this on some of these you know um you know on independent films and these slower studio movies but man no it, it this film did not suffer uh from that at all and um when when you tie together of of what's happening here and the direction that it takes i mean i don't know where i stand morally with the message here um you know i i think that that's a little cloudy uh, because there's not, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward with their message. But like, you know, why have a, you know, him as a pastor, and you know, that's going to be the reaction, whatever. But, um, it was fun, and it's probably the most entertaining route to take, and um, and also a little bit of foreshadowing here as well. It's like the, the, the <laughs> good, good storytelling here. Like, you know, I I enjoy this, and the guy who played the lead detective. He either plays a, a meth head, a druggy guy, or a cop. And his name's like Mark Menchaca. Yeah, that guy's great. Menka- Menchaca, Men- Mark Menchaca. I think it's Menchaca. Menchaca. Hey, um, I'm you know I'm riffing on his name a little bit here, but he was fucking good. Now he's good here. So 
our job here because we're helping out the press right now they needed us they tapped us in they said dude we need you guys to fucking give a hot take on this movie here's my hot take a bunch of fucking metalheads, and I do not like Five Finger Death Punch. I think Papa Roach is a lot of fun, but it's mostly ironic. I know I'm a fucking hipster, and that's pretty much the gambit of. Pe- so, this movie has a fucking soundtrack coming out. I don't know where they think we're in like the early aughts or something, but uh, the bands contributing are all yes, Papa Roach, dude, Asking Alexandria, Bad Wolves, Whoa. Corey Marks, Escape the What Fate, are we asking her? Eva Under. <laughs> Come on, Randy. I know you know that band. Eva Under Fire, Five Finger Death Punch, From Ashes to New, The H.U., Papa Roach, Tempt. It's like, we don't have August Burns Red, dude. <laughs> Wait, did, did you make that up? That sounds like a real name. That's a band. I used to listen to them. <laughs> yeah, they, they were Christian. Now, here's the problem I have. Whenever fucking dudes who are successful in one avenue of art like take a shot at another one, they usually come in with a confidence that is unfounded. And they make a bunch of bad choices and they are surrounded with yes men and it gets done anyway. This movie felt like there were some film fans in here. They knew what they were working with. They were self-aware enough to cast all of their buddies as like, I mean, here, I think I wrote down some of the locations in this movie. We got a fucking, uh, we have a bar. We have a strip club. We have a poorly lit boxing gym. We have a drug deal happening on the side of a road. We have a human prison camp underground. Like all these places are, you know, it makes sense that you see a tattooed, pierced up big dude in a vest. We're at a Christmas tree lot. The Christmas tree lot throwdown is probably one of my favorite. Also, you know who that was, don't you? I didn't. Oksana was the one that pointed out who that guy was because I don't like fucking Kevin Smith. I think is I, the problem. I don't either, but his face, like he showed up in some kind of some something else. What's his name? Anybody remember? I had to look him up. He just looked familiar to me. Yeah. Brian O'Halloran. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he credited as obnoxious guy. You know what? Here, um, so the movie we're talking about, not the realtors, the retaliators, uh, IMDB has it as an upstanding pastor uncovers a dark and twisted underworld as he searches for answers surrounding his daughter his daughter's brutal murder that's a terrible tagline if you look at the art here anybody who's listening to the show is probably going to skip this movie don't do that get some friends together and watch it um i know we're talking there's a religious uh character right up top and your eyes are going to roll because you're going to be like i know what we're doing here the thing is you don't this movie actually you gives him it gives him some credibility uh his passion for jesus is something that you might actually end up rooting for by the end of the film again i teased earlier that we're doing a lot of perspective in the the movies i'm covering this film plays a lot with like different layers of evil and we have like plenty there's a plethora of villains in this film that range from obnoxious guy in a tree lot who steals your your daughter's tree literally from her hands to a uh, uh w- what example do i want to use there's a um michael berryman who looks like he's been doing steroids for the past 10 years thank you you beat me to it because i was like this is uh I-, I kept in my head kept calling him like um you know uh handsome hills have eyes dude because he's <laughs> exactly the same thing now i do have a little bit of beef with this film it's not perfect by any regard don't get also, the that guy was shredded yeah when when you get to see him in so oh man i'm kind of all over the place because i really enjoyed this film um 
Remember, we got a we got a tiptoe bit here. We got a tiptoe. Uh, I did pull audio from this thing. Now I don't know if this is going to break. There's no embargo. Honestly, I think the best thing we can do is get people to watch it. There's a soft so, embargo. So I have a I have a little bit of beef. I got a little cow. It's a calf, and my problem with this calf <laughs> is that uh, it likes to talk like a cool guy, and for most of the script, I can't tell. If they're kind of playing with the cool guy shit, like kind of winking at it and making fun of it, or if it's authentically some like cool guy shit that I should be cringing at. So I pulled a couple of my, uh, I pulled two of my favorite moments that uh, made me cringe or I don't know, or I kind of was like, that's pretty funny because in this moment, this would be really stupid. So I'm going to play one. We're doing a drug deal. Uh, one of the, the guys in this drug deal is in a wheelchair. I liked him. He, he rolls up, he's got a broken leg, and he instantly starts making jokes about how many times he's broken his leg. Now, he's, uh, his counter here is uh, Buff Michael Berryman, and he's not giving him nothing. He's just staring him down. And this guy's just kind of like trying to find words and riffing, and uh, he produces some cocaine. And it's what he said after that that made me cringe. Again, I'm, I'm pumping this up. It's a really quick clip. Here we go. Look at this shit, man. White as Snow White's ass cheeks. Mm. <laughs> now, now he takes the, the large bag of cocaine and rubs his face in it and goes, mm. and I'm like, this is, it's, it's too much. Like, this movie does feel kind of like a bizarre Sons of Anarchy. And Sons of Anarchy is loaded up. It's fucking filled to the brim of cool guy dialogue and this felt a little like wait snow white's ass cheat what the fuck are we talking about i don't know what do you think clark do you think they're kind of making fun of this genre or are they authentically making some cringy cool guy shit well i think that you know uh there was definitely you know winks and nods um which is also one of my favorite comedy duos from the uh (laughs) catskills hell yeah that's actually pretty good. I like it. Nuts. <laughs> That's good. R- Randy, write that down. Um, where, you know, uh, again, I want to, I got to do a little bit of the soft shoe here, but you know, the, the end line of the movie, well, the end line where, you know, we get the retaliation. Yeah. Um, you know, w- mirrored back to the earlier conversation they yep, had yep, about yep. that. So, yeah, like they're playing onto that. Also, that 100% elicited a cheer from me. <laughs> okay. So, here's another thing. And, I, I, you know, let me play another one. Um, I got another example of a cool guy moment. Um, we're in the boxing gym, which is, it's lit so poorly that you question if anybody's really trying in here. Also, this room is like, sparsely furnished there's a bleacher there's a again a, a boxing um ring again, Ru- russell have you ever been into a boxing gym like i've walked by them <laughs> they're all sparsely dude yeah if you're in the 1920s fucking that's when this country only cared about boxing <laughs> dude i don't it it looks a little ridiculous anyway uh, the guy who owns the gym is also tied into fucking criminal dealings, and he's um, he's reflecting on what happened to our uh, cool guy in the last clip. Uh, here, I'll just play it. I think he runs through it pretty well. I just got off the phone with the president. 
He says one of their guys, Arlo, has magically disappeared. They went to meet to look for him. You know what they found? <laughs> His wheelchair. Broken in half. All his teeth in a pile. <laughs> dude, I love the audio there, mostly because there's a lot of like, dude, jump roping. Like, yeah. you can hear it in the background. And then there's this weird moment where he throws a bottle. Like, I didn't even, the bottle, you don't even see it before. It's not like he's drinking or anything. <laughs> and then he throws it, and there's this weak little, like, <laughs> and then everybody's quiet and they're all looking at him. And then he says, his wheelchair was ripped in half and his teeth were in a pile. Now, that's a party. Uh, the teeth uh, bring up another point in this movie. There's some gore in here. And it does a yeah. little feel like maybe they didn't know how to like film it as, as well as you would if you were like a Tom Savini veteran or like a KNB like guru or something. But man, it fucking works. Yeah, and, it's, not, it's not bad. No, no, I, not. I, I, I get you, like what you're saying is, is accurate there, but. Um, no, man, it's effective. It's solid. And yeah, no, this was, this was good effort all around, man. I, I enjoyed this. Um, one last thing. Acting before, was great. The, the, the our two good. main, our two main leads. Great. And I, the story. Now the story is something that I haven't seen in any other film. Uh, it's not groundbreaking, but it's really fucking interesting what they do with our protagonist here and the whole religion is. theme. It is. And I, here's the thing that really won me over the third act we almost get like a fucking Sam Raimi vibe out of nowhere. Yeah. We're doing like evil dead. And yeah, when we open up the film and we get that, they're not zombies moment. Like normally that's a technique employed for like streaming or like people who just can't pay attention. And it's a promise that something will happen later on in the movie. And it's like, Hey, we get weird later on. Please hang out. This is the only movie I've ever seen where we actually revisit the moment. And it, I had a completely different perspective and I was like excited for it. Like I was looking forward to seeing this play out again. It's a fucking weird movie, man. And you messed up. You should have saw this with Coot on Thursday. Yeah, but uh, he canceled because he was going to go to Super Shangri-La. But uh, then he realized that his calendar was wrong and that show's actually happening this week. I was about to say, like, I, I want to <laughs> go to that one this week. Oh, really? The, well, if, I if, I'm, if I can. It's the Melting Man and a Japanese uh, movie from the 70s about a tar monster. The Oily the Maniac. The Oily Maniac. You know I prefer a greasy strangler. Oh, God. You know I fucking <laughs> want to puke when I think of that name. <laughs> um, anyway. That score is one of the greatest m music scores. Of man, I fucking hate that movie. I just really do. But and the, the, Alamo, good. the Alamo did a great treatment. I believe they gave out vinyl. Of the fantastic score, I do agree with you there. Yeah. But they also had like hats. They had a bunch of merch, and I'm like, I wish I could be in with this. But I, Randy, can't. you gotta check out that guy, Andrew Hung. He's got some great solo stuff. Okay, yeah, I still haven't seen Greasy, so check it out. <laughs> honestly, you don't need to watch Greasy. Nah. Uh, you could just listen to the the soundtrack. <laughs> and uh, Andrew Hung, that guy's great. Oh, is that the the? Uh, you know, fan Lady favorite. William. Yeah, there we go. Fan favorite, but not winner of American Idol. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew William Hung. Now, okay. I think, I think we did this again. I, you know, there's so much here that we didn't mention 
Like, I didn't even talk about uh, the heroin-addicted sex slaves that we briefly meet in a... uh, Clark, you're looking puzzled. We're barely there in this movie. There's a lot going on. So, expect a... Expect some gems to be had that we didn't even fucking touch. There I, really, there is, this movie's dense, dude. It moves like there's not, there's not, it's not boring at all. No. I just, yeah, I was a little confused in the first like act and a half. And then like, yeah, again, the church stuff, I'm hypercritical of that. So you just have to take that separately. So are you talking location or the application of like believing in God? Well, I, no, I just mean like, you know, that, that band and then the church, oh, I'm like, it's just, it's, it's hokey and it's weird and that's cool. And that's its own thing. Yeah. Um, he, Hey, to be fair, our, our lead addresses that. I believe he makes a joke after the band plays where he's like, Hey, would it be weird if I showed up next week with blue hair? Like yeah. referring. Yeah. And I'm like, he's charming. And no, that's I, the, I was like, okay, that's accurate because yeah. <laughs> pastors are lame and that's lame. And that works. Yeah, for sure. But also my brother also pastor. He's not lame. Okay, <laughs> we got to get him on the show. He's a good guy. Um, no, and I I really like what they did with the fucking religious protagonist thing. I feel like they really put something interesting out there. I did make a note that they don't really offer any moral answers, though. They raise a lot of good questions that's what here. I'm saying. Yeah, and I, don't, I agree. Yeah, but I also think that's what I like in film. That was like, the other thing of like they don't, but like that it's entertaining and it yeah. was fun. This thing moves, man. This is this was solid, and uh, you know I'm I'm down to plug this again and or have someone on uh, closer to release. So again, um, I think you know that was the trick with this segment was that we we were not really very nice to our PR people that reach out, and honestly, I think there's a you know there has to be more um, realtor movies out there that we miss. That time it was on purpose. Don't kill yeah. me. Um, so I don't know. I'm excited to do this. And you did say you you have another battle well, you lined up. Mention that the Retaliators is going to be out Thank September you. 14th, um, and we will talk about it again before then, hopefully. Yeah, if they got anybody up uh, to chat, like oh, let's work on Ooh, it. They got to compete with football season. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So do we have another uh, PR battle? Yes. Um, the first one. It's a little weird. It's not. <laughs> It's not horror. Let me find my tab. All right, you're you're really selling it here. <laughs> I also got to leave in a couple minutes. So. Yeah. All right, I'll make All right. it quick. The Immaculate Room. One room, two people, fifty days, five million dollars. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mark and Kate, a young couple, get the once in a lifetime chance to win a cool five million dollars. The challenge: live for a month in a blank space. All right. What's the other one? The other one has no information on IMDb. It's called the Skunk Ape Experiments. Yep. <laughs> Issue number one. Yeah. But according to the email we got, every day new headlines launch about Florida men, but Outcast Paranormal takes a look at Florida men in a way you've never seen before. Yep. On the hunt for a Florida Bigfoot. Yep. The elusive skunk ape. I love yep. a skunk ape. The new docuseries from <laughs> Cryptid Cryptid. Crypt- Cryptid Crusader, Stacy <laughs> Brown Jr., Batman's cousin, and executive producer James Brost asks, "Something exists in the Florida swamps that even tabloids wouldn't believe." Okay, I, or I think that's good enough. So we got yeah. the Skunk Ape Experiments Issue One, and what was the other one? The Immaculate Room. Yep. All right, All right we'll so put them up there. So, Oksana, you'll put these up. What day of the show release or day after? Day of, yeah. 
Dev. All right. So stay tuned on Twitter. Vote for the skunk ape or uh, I will kill you. All right. And then uh, <laughs> I, I got a little treat for everybody. I'm going to play us out if we're all done with. Uh, we're done. With how the retaliators played us out. Oh, just to get you all hooked. So here's, so a, here's, a, here's a little tidbit from Montley Crew crafted <laughs> end credit theme song to a horror movie. <laughs> uh, we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye. <laughs>